Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part one of my conversation with Abe Rashad, Director of Language Technology and Academic Support at Oberlin College and Conservatory. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. My guest today is Abe Rashad, Director of Language Technology and Academic Support at Oberlin College and Conservatory. Hi, Abe. Hi, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. Well, welcome. And uh, I am so glad to be talking to you. We've worked together um, for a little while now. I think that we actually met in um, the very beginning of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. We were I, like fact, neck deep you know, in that pandemic. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, you were you and um, your colleagues at Oberlin were at the time. It was literally, I think, my first email. Maybe my first meeting was in March of 2020. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's oh wow, yeah. Oh my gosh! It was literally, like I think we were all like meeting, but not sure like <laughs> what the world is going to be. <laughs> Whether the world is going to exist in the next 60 days. I know. We're like, we're going to, we're planning for this, but let's see. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) And I, and, and it would be, uh, it, it would be great. You know, it would be, it would be, it's great now to look back into, into all of that, but really we didn't know. Right. And, and of course, at the time, um, your colleague, Tanya Boster, um, executive director of, Integrative and experiential learning, maybe? Oh, very close. That's pretty much what it is. Our acronym is CELA, Center for Engaged Liberal Arts. Okay. And and we were, um, she she has since moved on to, she's at Princeton. Right. Um, now, and, uh, but uh, uh, you all have created an, uh, a, a just beautiful e-portfolio project program at Oberlin, um, I, I it's it's just been amazing to see this journey, especially bo- born in in, right. in the pandemic. You know, <laughs> it's a pandemic baby. <laughs> it is a pandemic baby, and it keeps on growing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been quite amazing for sure. Uh, and we started big. I think like the timing was great because um, you know uh, we one big part um, was of this project started with 300 or 400 students in January of 2021. And we were still deck deep in the pandemic. And that just gave us like an online medium to engage with our students. And so, um, but then also the portfolio pedagogy, but like just having that as an option during this really uh, tricky time was uh, quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll definitely go into that. But first, I wanted to maybe learn a little bit more about you. Sure. Abe. I mean, we've worked together for a while now. And um, you are, I actually didn't even realize that your title <laughs> until today, <I> Director <laughs> of Language Technology yeah. and Academic Support. Um, it used to be a longer title, too. It was Is that like, right? So, I would get so- responses from my colleagues being like, congratulations <laughs> on having the longest title ever. <laughs> Because a lot of these staff positions uh-huh. and professional positions um, are they're they basically they're playing like you know specialists, but really we're generalists, 
You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a lot of hats going on. And, uh, but anyways, and so they're trying to create a title that encapsulates everything. That <laughs> everything do. that you do, right. <laughs> it's more like your job description at this point. I know, <laughs> right. It's like, here's his job description. It's like a CV, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Oberlin? I mean, Oberlin is um, what, a, what an amazing college. Um, right. I've just been amazed to see what what you all do and, and, and your dedication to, to your students and the level of support you provide. It's just you know, right. pretty unbelievable. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and, and the kind of work that you do? I think it'd be great for our listeners to also right. you know, get a sense of you know, what goes behind the scene. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, so, um, so when I started here, and I'm not going to, it's not going to be a long explanation. I want to keep it short. But started as a language lab director, and I still carry that role. And the and the lab is more of kind of a digital makerspace type, but we also have like 3D printers. And so like supporting students as they're using the green screen, which I'm in right now, or audio, you know, recording booth where they're kind of creating these artifacts for their uh, for language classes or any presentation, they only can use the space. Um, and then I also direct a digital portfolio office, which is also kind of a sort of digital maker space where people are kind of uploading and curating um, their content and kind of, I mean, the project is their life in this case, right? Uh, so definitely the hats kind of work well together, I think, kind of coming along students and faculty with these types of projects and kind of support them in that. There's something that I still just... I, I love you were talking about a language lab and right. I must say that I didn't know anything about a language lab because yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I, uh, I, I was never in one. I never used one. Yeah. So what is, what does a language language lab do? Well, that's a really interesting question because, uh, it's such a transition right now. Like, cause like language labs used to be a space where students and teachers would be able to access authentic language content and so you'd have and so i'm um and this this happened for a while i think like from the late 70s to uh to the early 2000s where you like get a tape or a cd or a computer and you're listening to these conversations or watching maybe uh like uh any media that's associated with a language outcome um and also giving you kind of like the point also with the technology was to kind of mediate some sort of like authentic experience to really kind of pull them in. Um, but right now, I mean, it's changed a lot, really just kind of evolving with the time because um, because a lot of the textbooks now offer that media as kind of part of a suite. And so like, for example, any any like language textbook for its weight will have like a, a mini learner management system like associated so so like students can drill, and kind of practice and then give them immediate feedback. And so it's almost like a a portable language lab that everyone gets in a textbook. So we have to change with the times, right? And so, and, and I think this is kind of the trend. If, if colleges tend, if they choose to keep the lab, it becomes like kind of a modular learning space um, or even a maker space. And that's, we, we have both here. We have like furniture on wheels. It's supposed to be a space where students can kind of take ownership of and kind of, move things around to kind of fit whatever uh, programming or even kind of a study session. 
Um, but then also like creating content. So not being kind of, not being the consumer of it, but being the creator of their presentation, whether it be kind of a role play in like a green screen room in a background, putting them in like Paris, France or Toledo, Spain, um, you know, and then that type of kind of engagement as well. So yeah, that's kind of what our language lab is at least now. Um, yeah, I kind of serious. I'm kind of curious to see where we go from here. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because um, various tools, learning tools, and sometimes these tools exist as as places or as right. you know different functions. They 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 morph and evolve over time, right? I mean, mm -hmm. when you talk about the way that people used to use media, media, you know, recorded media on you know CD tapes. DVDs, right. you know, Betamax, whatever it might yeah. be, you know, um, it's 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 a little bit like the like a a way to deliver experiential learning to right. people, right? It's a way to also when they're pro pro producing their own content, it's right. kind of their way of doing project based learning. So it to me like the like something like a language lab is 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 like the beginning or like the the that those are the intents right. but language became a really big thing whether it be you know a speech given by someone at a specific time and place in in this language or another language um and 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 letting that be almost like it allows you to transform yourself through time and space right oh absolutely yeah yeah that's an interesting kind of dimension there where you kind of uh, when, you, when you almost take on different characteristics of that target target language, or you kind of imagine yourself in that context, and perhaps you take on different, I don't know, aspects, maybe uh, personality aspects of that, you know, so interesting. Well, you certainly have taken on all of the pedagogical, you know, you extracted the pedagogy out of out of uh, the 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 way that people used to use a language lab and turn it into something different today, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, I still remember that very first. Um, I think it was that spring of two thousand twenty-one, right? Right. And I still remember. I think you, you know, you all trying to figure out how to deal with the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, but also at the same time trying to, you know, I think we all had calmed down a little, little bit by then yeah. just to at least know that we're, we're, we're still here, you know, <laughs> like we haven't gone away. Right. And, um, and, and, but you were, I still remember some of the things that you were trying to do were extremely ambitious. You know, you were, you know, during that spring semester, you were having students um, do this, um, this project where they were building portfolios that are talking about, you know, big issues in the right. world. Right. Right. Um, and uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? It was, it yeah. Was and so that was our healing democracy series. And it was kind of a neat way to do the portfolios where um, the, and these were students that um, were interested in coming to Overland and, but weren't quite yet students. And so it's a way of kind of, providing that engage, engagement and giving them the type of experience that they would have. And the theme was the uh, healing democracy. And I'm just kind of, and like the students, um, you know, we'd have a, a, like a pal, a peer 
uh, like a peer leader, basically, kind of lead and kind of facilitate conversations with the students. Um, they would be reading articles on the subject, and then they would be sending the posts, and then they would be featuring the posts on a digital portfolio, kind of like a, a shared blog in the way. Mm-hmm. And it was a great way to keep the, you know, keep the interactivity going and um, during this time and allow them to kind of engage. And that's, that's something we still do today. You know, even though I meet uh, uh, an Oberlin student or a prospective student can come and visit the campus, and we do have those campus tours. Uh, it's called All Roads. Everyone comes in um, in April, um, but like they they still do that type of interaction, and because it's so fruitful to have that kind of asynchronous type of thing and to give them that type of experience. So yeah, it it was pretty good, and we still do it. <laughs> I think that is just so cool because you, you I mean you're all so creative and you're like oh can we use it for this and for that and I'm like yeah let's let's go for it I yeah, mean I, it especially so- during the pandemic it was like it was you know everyone's just like trying their their best to to be creative and you were all like really just hitting it out of the park yeah that's one thing I've appreciated uh being at Oberlin is um how you know when you know they, you know, when certain contexts happen, when history is kind of changing around them, you know, people are, you know, my colleagues, faculty, staff, they're sensitive to it. And they, they want to leverage their knowledge and understanding and make the connections and make the students see those connections and bring it to them. And usually it's really interesting, you know, when you talk about, like, for example, we're in the middle of a pandemic, let's think about this in different contexts. Let's bring it to them. Let's have a conversation about it. And those are really popular classes, <laughs> but it's just great that they really, um, that that's kind of the space that they have here. So it's been, I've really appreciated that as being yeah. here. Well, I remember seeing some of the student portfolios as well. I mean, you were not shy of basically throwing the students into studying and researching and having an opinion about the biggest topics and that, that, right. that we have in the world today. Right. I, I remember seeing students and hearing about them talking about, you know, like you said, democracy, right? Right. But also climate change, but also, you know, um, you know, uh, issues of racism, issues of um, all kinds of issues right. um, that they, 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 they try to address. And, and it really, to me, is a, is an incredible demonstration of what um, a, an authentic, perhaps, uh, sort of the, the 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 real sort of uh, crux of what a liberal arts education really can provide. It's the centering of the students and giving them these sort of really foundational core values. Yep. Not just giving it to them, having right. them through um, experiential learning and project based learning right. that allows them to discover these things and own them. Absolutely. I mean, I love that. That was a great way of putting it. It, it really is. Um, and we started that, that was the 2021 experiment. Uh, mm-hmm. But like really, you know, engaging the whole person, tugging at the heart at everything that they do. And uh, yeah. So did you see any difference, you know, with students going through that versus, you know, not? Um, what Versus, yeah, versus other institutions. It's a really good question. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think with this, it's, you know, it's hard to answer that question. I'm not sure. Um, I do think that 
um, the conversation and topic does pull me in. Um, and, and so um, being a part of that type of conversation makes me feel proud to be a part of this, yeah, sure. uh, of what we're trying to, of what we're trying to uh, give our students and what kind of goals and, you know, things like that. I mean, so I, I think from, uh, I, I guess like from a perspective of being a part of a certain mission, I find it really satisfying for sure. Yeah. In terms of the difference of students, it's, I think it's the fact that we're just talking about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it, it makes a huge difference in how, um, it, how that kind of shapes the context that you work and uh, the educational context. So, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I'm not entirely sure about the students, but like, you know, in terms of my interactions with them, yes, yeah. absolutely. It's made a difference. You know, what's interesting, as you just said that, um, I, I too think that, you know, working on something that is mission driven is, you know, can set a huge difference. Um, I think that over the pandemic, especially at the end of the pandemic, we see all of the great resignation and, you yeah. know, and all of that. It, it really, it has a lot, to, it's a reflection of how important that, that mission is. Right. And um, of course, it, it it's 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 more engaging when when it you know what what you're trying to work on it's something that you believe in. But you know what I thought was interesting is that I was thinking by doing these things you were engaging the students, which I think you are. Mm-hmm. But by having engaged students in these topics, it engages you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a way also to engage your staff and your faculty and everyone around this culture, this you know this this in, the, the the real sort of institution culture is how you build this, right? Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. And I do think that and then pulling everyone in as, as and thinking it is that this is our mission, this is our goal. And uh, no matter what, I mean, if you work at a university to some level, you are a leader, you're an adam- example to the students. And so like kind of bringing that and giving everyone, no matter what you do, uh, a sense yeah. of ownership over that is huge. Now, Oberlin students are, I, I've, I, I know that they do very brilliant things. Um, they, they can be incredibly diverse going out um, after they finish the undergraduate degree in Oberlin, they could go to, you know, so, you know, any, any fields really. And many of them go to, you know, additional, you know, advanced degrees and whatnot. Um, One of the things that I, I, I would love to see is, is to see the difference or to see the impact that you have on them by bringing them through the paces of basically, look, you are, of, you are able to solve big problems and you expose them to those big, big problems. Um, right. And I, I think that that could be a, you know, 
you know, like one of those things that 30 years down the road, we're mm-hmm. going to see the really big difference. Because, you know, like in the beginning, you just, you know, they just, you know, diff- the, the differences is a couple of degrees of difference from each other, mm-hmm. you know, or from another group that didn't have that experience. But right. if you look at, you know, if you look at a, you know, your ship sailing for 30 years, two degrees off could put you in a completely different planet. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. And then, like, I I mean, it really does matter, like, uh, like how students are being, uh, what are they being exposed to in this environment? Because that does, I don't like the metaphor trickle down economically, but I think it does trickle down, you know, I think it does trickle down in terms of, like, who they become as human beings uh, in that, you know, position, whether it be like a, a big CEO or, or something else that, you know, where they're asked to be an example to other people uh, mm-hmm. and that shapes their approach absolutely and i would argue that there's something more too i mean sometimes people i mean these days they look a lot at you know uh the value of higher education as measured by you know monetary terms oftentimes you know like are you going to make your money back from from, from the tuition yeah. and, and student loans and things of that nature um, but I, I think that there is also a whole other set of metrics that, that you know, as a parent, I have, I have five children, um, and um, as a parent, the, I, I wish obviously all of them well, but, but really, you know, the, the kind of happiness and maybe fulfillment the feeling of the f- being fulfilled yeah. um is and and a, you know and the ability to relate to each other to the other people to contribute to society um yeah and to you know have a sense of um sense of you know being someone who, who by existing in this world they they made everyone around them better and the, the right. environment better these are to me now seem much more important than, you know, are they going to get, uh, you know, earning salary at this range or, <laughs> or get oh, a yeah. title of some sort. Um, um, I don't know. I think that that's, that I don't know if it's just me, but oh, yeah. no, I think it's... a lot of this current generation of people are um, younger people are, these are the things that they're looking for as well. I mean, they look for money too, I think. Right. But I think so. I think that people, you know, you know, everyone wants a certain standard of living, let's say mm-hmm. middle class, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, what they, I mean, and what I hope for for my two kids is like that, you know, the feeling of belongingness, wholeness, you know, and, you know, that uh, community friendship you know those those things that are priceless you know uh yeah and those two to me it feels like i mean look i think that you guys are on to um it that it, it's not like you just started and figuring this out i mean you've you've been doing this for a very long time but i think that this idea of putting these things into um into such a rich reflective moment because i think that maybe maybe we should talk about that because one of the things that you have students do is i mean when we should probably talk about like what it means by the students creating these portfolios 
Um, why, why, don't, why, don't, why, don't, why don't you tell us? Yeah, so the whole, I mean, the whole point is metacognition. It's just awareness of what is going on, what are they thinking um, when they have, uh, primarily with us, you know, and when they have an experience, like they're doing an internship and um, they're thinking about that experience, what emotions, you know, what about the, their experience in the specific institution? What connections are they making to their, to like the academic classes or personal experiences? Uh, and then asking those other questions. Okay, so what? Where, are we, where do we go from here? You know, making them, um, that's, the, that's the opportunity and the, uh, the space that we encourage students to, you know, use the portfolio. Um, that's their space for, to reflect. And it's, it's a very, uh, in, in the hopes that they, in the end, make choices that make sense for them. Um, and, and then also kind of make note of the things that, um, that inspire them, um, that are, that might be the foundations for, um, other decisions, maybe a change of major, uh, going a different direction. Um, but whatever it is, it's, it's rooted in who they are. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what we're talking about. That's what that is. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I think that, um, an increasing amount of, um, amount of focus has been, you know, on this value of higher education, almost entirely in in, in sort of this monetary terms, you know? Right. Uh, But I, I think that there is, I mean, one of the, one of the interesting things I feel like sort of post Google world is that the, the value of, you know, being able to cram a ton of content into your brain becomes slightly less than before i actually i i'm not in the i'm not in the camp that you know oh google has everything yeah it has everything so did the library right um but if you don't you know you you still need to know how to find them and then use them and sometimes knowing some of these things um you know allow you to make connections you know because you 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 know where they are in the first place um and and uh but but I think it is absolutely true, though, that, you know, th- for us now, the confidence of being able to say, well, I haven't heard of this, but I know I can look it right. up pretty quickly and I'll get a, a sense of it, you know, pretty, pre- pre- you know, pretty easily and, and, right, and freely. Right. And, and, and so um, the, the idea of just cramming a lot of content into people's heads seems to seems to um, be slightly less important than, than it used to be. Right. right. Um, Absolutely. It, yeah. It's like, it's like gone. It's like, you know, remember that time when it was like, if you're competing on Jeopardy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, it's right, like, right, that right. is the, that is the, yeah. this level of achievement. But now right. it's like, well, they know a lot about everything, but yeah. I can just look it up on Google. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, right. right. It's the like the value that, of knowing them is not, yeah. Yeah, it's sure it's it's you know it's a great party trick. Yeah, know? it's like it's like if you're at a yeah. bar, you're doing like yeah. you know Q and A or whatever it is. That's great, but yeah. <laughs> um, problem oh solving God, that... and and you know oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to jump no, in. No, go ahead. Yeah, pro- but, yeah, and the... 
well, I was going to say exactly that, you know, it's, it's then the problem solving part of it that becomes, you know, um, more important. And, and the idea of you, you know, having students have that time and the space to reflect and develop sort of ideas and sort of soak in their own experiences also just to just let it marinate so that they can figure out what they want to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I mean, this, I mean, when we talk about problem solving and kind of things marinating and, um, you know, it makes me think of, uh, you know, one of my winter term projects, which is a 3d printing course, which is also a portfolio. And, um, you know, and I feel like that's like making is a really good co- context to think about a good way to interact with the world. Because, you know, when you're making your own thing, your object, you're 3d printing something, you're, you've come up with a design and you're implementing it uh you know it's you get that immediate feedback and you have this problem you have to interact with and chew on you try again you mess up again and it's a really rich type of experience i almost wish life gave that type of feedback so quick (laughs) so you can actually kind of go through it but it's like it really is kind of a a microcosm of what we're trying to do with portfolios, but in like a really short period of time. I really want to get into this. Okay, I want. I. I we need to get into some of the details of this three D printing part oh, of this. So you you had mentioned it a couple of times. Now, first of all, let let me just say that I I am gonna assume that I'm not the only one who's intrigued but also confused that how did this learning i mean i'm sorry this language technology technologist get into 3d printing and how does that how does that work why does your language lab have 3d printers well that's a good question i mean that's the million dollar question right um (laughs) with uh language i mean we can print letters but like uh but like but really it is about like printing artifacts and so mm-hmm. um, printing like cultural artifacts it, in the classics, that's a, a really low hanging fruit. So you're printing mm-hmm. scans of ancient relics and bringing them and kind of making that part of kind of a, a class experience. Um, that's happened a couple of times here um, or an exhibit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll have students who were trying to, one recent project was um, making a, a more, uh, acceptable, not acceptable, but accessible exhibit, um, for, um, the other abled. And so like making scans and printing these objects so they can be more interactive, um, and have that kind of textured type of experience, Mm -hmm. uh, from the audience. And, uh, but then it's not just that, like it, it can be in terms of a regular language classroom, you know, when you're thinking of like, uh, you know, in a game context where you're trying to kind of get students to really get in there and um, uh, and interact in the target language, you know, it's having a trophy there. So customizing a trophy for your classroom so they can kind of win it. Um, or it could be like a, you know, it, it could be a prop for a classroom activity or for a student's presentation where there's, uh, you know, um, and well, one example is also if like uh, one one class like, uh, like East Asian religious objects. We, um, they're studying all these religious objects and there is like an initiative to scan these objects because, you know, a lot of these objects are in war torn areas, but also they're thousands of years. So they're an earthquake or roar away from 
you know, being destroyed. And so they have this archive of all these objects that you can print. Um, and, you know, and so one collaboration was, okay, so let's bring these objects to the classroom. And, and instead of just reading about them, you choose an object, we'll print it, uh, and we'll teach you about the process as well. And, and then you have this object to kind of commune with in your own way, whatever that is, whether it just is in your space, you know, or what. I think that I think that is just so amazing. I mean, you again have you know like you you're blowing my mind by the way. So this <laughs> this idea of you know um, I guess that what used to be being able to take a recording of someone's speech, let's say, into a language lab, you're you're able to sort of replicate that, but in for objects and and right. things. Um, I think that's really amazing. This concludes part one of our conversation. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, Please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.